Alarma, alarma. Bienvenidos a todos. Es un día histórico como del podium de Felipe Ortz. Como nos es Isam. <risa> Buenas tardes, toros. <risa> ¿Cómo está? <risa> Enough to talk about today. A historical podium for Felipe Ortz in Neil. What a day for Spanish cyclocross. And in general, very, very good to see. We will talk about it, but... There was way more to talk about because we saw a very strong Joris Nieuwenhuis. So, without further ado, enough Spanish, let's dive into a very muddy race in Neil. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. They were going to be discussing the third round of the Super Prestige which took place in Neil. The course was, compared to last year, altered slightly. The start-finish was moved but the main features were still the same and... The biggest difference was just that it was very, very muddy this year. Lars van der had the fastest start. On the moguls, which were very early in the lap, his teammate and one of the favorites, Thibaut Nice, made a mistake. He was swallowed by the pack and fell back pretty far. Van der Haar crashed in a running section later on in that lap. And from there on, we had a leading duo. It were Elie beat and Joris Nieuwhuis at the front of the race. Laurens Zweig managed to bridge to them in the second lap, but was unable to really stick with them. He was dropped again and wasn't really seen at the front anymore. Nieuwhuis led for most of the race, but on a course like this, it doesn't really matter who leads in terms of effort. And we went into the final lap with Joris Nieuwhuis and Elie Isabiet. But in that final lap, Nieuwhuis made a mistake very early on. In the pits, he went in for a bike change together with Isabiet, but... At the remount, it looks like he missed his pedal or slipped somewhere because he was off his bike again. Isabit had a gap, and from there on, it was easy for him to take his third win in the Super Prestige and the third win of the season for him. Joris Nieuwhuis ended second, but behind, well, you already heard it by now, Felipe Orts clinched that third place. He was in fourth for most of the race, some 20 seconds behind Sveik. But in the final two laps, Sveik was tired and started making a lot of mistakes. He crashed a couple of times, and that was a sign for Orts to really give everything he had left and take a historical first Spanish podium in one of the major crosses. So Orts ended third. Quite some result there, Isam, with that third place of Orts, but let's talk about that in a bit. First, that battle between Isabit and Nieuwhuis. What's your thought on that battle? Yeah, I mean... It was a very slow kind of race. It was definitely not fast with the conditions and just the course in general. So, you know, it was it was a bit hard to see who was stronger than the other. Every moment gave a, a different impression, in my opinion. But, you know, you could see that they were quite evenly matched in a way. But I think in the end, you know, Neuhaus just had very good legs and, and you know... Uh, did what every other rider would do, make the most out of it and make make use of the feeling that you have at that moment in the race. And I think he did. Was it the smartest race? Man, not really. But, you know, what else should he do? I mean, at that point, with the race that we had, it was so slow. So, And, and he had also, you know, his running sections were quite good compared to Isabit, who was struggling. Not the ideal height that he had today for this course because it was... The longer people had a, an advantage today, just to put it uh, like that. And I guess... You know, Isabit was in a disadvantage. Definitely not a course that suits him well, but he had a good day. And I think that in the end, you know, when we come to the last lap uh, with the Isabit that we uh, that we kind of know at this point, you know, it's not, it's going to be a difficult one. And I think that Newhouse 
you know, the, entering the last lap was, yeah, there was not much left for him to match the the power and the the, the speed that Ezerbeet still had in him. And, you know, then it was just that little, that, that lap too long for him and Ezerbeet, um, you know, very, very strong and deserved victory from, from his side. I don't think tactically the race of Neuheis was that bad because there was hardly any draft effect. As you said, it was super slow. I would rather be in the lead here because... First of all, you don't get a shitload of mud in your face. You have clear sight. You can choose your lines. And you need that because you want to avoid standing water on this course at every moment possible. I think that Steve Downhill dive into the mud section was really, really on the edge of what we can accept in a cyclocross race. Every year it's drama there. It's a part of land that's supposed to flood. It's super muddy. And when you see riders just getting absorbed by mud there, I think... It's really the question, especially after such a steep downhill, is this really safe? We saw a couple of crashes. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. It was pretty much on the limit. But nevertheless, I don't think it's necessarily something that should have been cancelled. But for the rest, I agree with most of your points. I mean, it was a lot of walking where Neuheis was the best. Isabit had a few technical sections where he was slightly better, but it was hard to make a difference. It reminded me a lot of the Dutch National Championships in Zaltbommel earlier this year. We had a battle there between Nieuwenhuis and Van der Haar. Nieuwenhuis was better on the running sections. Van der Haar needed to go deep and ultimately compensated by not making a mistake in the final lap, which Nieuwenhuis did. Nevertheless, do you think that Nieuwenhuis might be the moral winner here? I mean, I have to give you some credits. You said it. There's still time in this season. Nieuwenhuis, when the courses become harder, you will see him at the front and... So we did, because this is a very hard course, and Neuheis was there, second place. Still positives for him, right? I would look at it positively, to be honest. I think for him, it's um, from what I heard in his interview, it was, he didn't really look at it super positive. You know, he, he, he knew that it was a good race from his side, but I feel that, you know, this was a race that if it would have been happening in, in December, I think we, we might have seen a different outcome. I, I think that it's just... You know, we are still getting to that point where we will see Newhouse in a in an ultimate form, if you would put it like that. I think that it's we are reaching that point, and it's looking better and better uh, every race. I think you can definitely see that there is a, some sort of an upwards trajectory for for Newhouse. And you know, if I was him, I would be super positive with 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 the results. I mean, I think that for a larger part of the race uh, he had to believe and i think many people that were watching the race had to believe that he could potentially win the race that's not a position that he has been in uh, this season often i would say so i think you know a good race Iserbeet was just just that little better and and he he didn't have an answer in the last lap and i think that going into to november you know in november december that we are coming into then I hope at least that we will see even a better form of Neuhaus, and I think that we could expect that. And then when we get these type of races, well, I think then um, it's going to be difficult to beat this guy. But uh, for now, yeah, you just have to take the positives, and I think he does that in a way, and it's uh, definitely looking good for him for this season. It wasn't bad at all, and I agree with the points you made. I would still like to point out that Izerbeet did deserve this win. He was basically behind... Newer house for most of it, but Isabit must have an insane conversion rate going into final laps with like two or three other guys and then actually winning because he hardly loses battles like that. Every like every time he just 
gets away with it. He just does it again. We see it so many times. I mean, Rudervoorde was an example we had earlier. He did it in Overijse. Not only this season. Almost every time. Isabit goes into the final lap with the group. He finishes it off. And that is a special quality. Do you think that's experience? Or is it more just something you have or you don't have it? Depends a little bit, but I think... There are just a certain type of riders that when you bring them to a last lap, there's just no point racing at that, I guess, because then they just have this, these, these tricks and it's just something that they can ask from their body, that extra push, you know, it's, it's, it's something special, I guess you, there are not, not every athlete can have that. And I think Isabel is just that guy that if you bring him to that last lap, even if he would have been you know, totally done. He can still find something within himself. And, 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 you know, it's, it's hard to describe, but it's just, you know, just something that, that you just put yourself in the right positions. You just try to, to be up there. And especially if it is in a race where he, he has an equal in the race, he could definitely finish it off. And, you know, I would say hats off to him for, to do it in a race that definitely doesn't suit him. You know, it's, there are some technical sections, like you said, where you look better, but the running sections were killing, and um, they definitely were significant this race. So I think that in, on a course like this, to be able then to still do your magic thing in the last lap, you know, it's it's a, it's a special thing. And we have doubted Izerbeet a little bit going into the season, but I think we can conclude kind of that he probably went into this season with a different build-up than he normally does. And... It seems that it's working out for him at the moment because, you know, three super prestige races and three consecutive wins. So and and, a, and an amazing lead at the moment in, in the super prestige. So it's uh, it's going well for him. We have to conclude that so far Isabit has been the most consistent rider. We'll come to the riders who weren't there today. Or well they were there, but they weren't there in the results. Nice from the Haar van Turenhout. Isabit has been there every single race, with maybe the exception being last week when he of course had that puncture in the european championships but i won't repeat everything you said but yeah on the sh- with the short legs compensating i think he needed to go pretty deep i'm interested to see what type of course we get tomorrow in dendermonde the pictures don't indicate so far that it's going to be a repeat of two editions ago the first time they went there but when the racing gets underway tomorrow we don't know how wrecked it's going to be there has been a lot of rain it is a low field I wonder how they will feel tomorrow. Isabit said he needed to go pretty deep. I think he will feel that. But yeah, to conclude, very strong race on a course that didn't suit him. Another rider who didn't find a course to his liking here was Lauren Zweig. I thought he did actually do pretty well for that first part of the race. He's a big guy. He's not a good runner. I mean, yes, he's tall, but he's not a good runner. It doesn't equal the same. Too much running here. But still, to be in third for a while, I thought, oh, it's looking pretty good for him. But then in the final two laps, he just completely faded. I think it was the fatigue. He was just tired and then started making mistake after mistake. But I don't mind that because Felipe Orts on the podium definitely makes up for somewhat a false conclusion I had on Lauren Zweig. Yeah, I mean, you know, for for Zweig, it was... I, I think that, that Zweig is still not 100%. I think that a Zweig that would be... At 100% form, and that's hard to say because you don't really know what is going on with him and if what what is happening with the level around him. 
but I I would think that he would not have that drop in the last two laps. That was a bit too much in my opinion. But we 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 got a, a Philippe Orso on the podium, and I I think that if you look at his last couple of races, it was coming. It it, it really was coming in my opinion. I think that. Obviously, you need the circumstances, and the circumstances were there today. It was a very tough race. There were a lot of top contenders that normally should be in the top ten that were not even inside the top ten that 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 uh, didn't even weren't even able to complete the race. So I think you know then you have to to be to be up there, and he you know he did that. He was fourth, then got his way to to third, and and, and maintained that that third place. And I think for Spain and and cyclocross Spain, it's super important i think because he's a rider that the 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 spanish population and the spanish cyclocross fans really look up to he's uh, popular there for sure and it's you know it's important that we have a guy from from an from a nation that definitely has you know some of the better cy- cycling fans to also get them into into cyclocross and and make that uh, cyclocross community there bigger as well and you know there are a lot of young Spanish kids that are watching right now, that are watching the TV and that they're seeing a Spanish champion on the podium in one of the, uh, you know, one of the bigger competitions in, in cyclocross. So I think that is, it's it's important. So it's an important podium and it's very good to see that his hard work is being, um, you know, it's paying off. And, you know, I'm very happy for, for, his, uh, for his podium. It is a good course for Orts, maybe not as many technical parts, but... Contrary to popular belief, he is a rider that goes very well in muddy conditions rather than in fast conditions. He's become pretty versatile. Now he's also mastering those faster courses. But I find it hard to really place what we are watching here, Issam. It's not a situation we have seen a lot. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think since 2010... We have seen a situation like this with this many riders able of not only winning races. We have had a number of winners this season. We have had a number of riders come close. But also a very large group of riders that can end on the podium. Last week at the European Championships, it was Cameron Mason that surprised by taking a podium. This week it's Orts. Meanwhile, we've seen Van der Haar, Nijs and Van Turenhout struggle. I seriously cannot recall in modern cyclocross history a time where we didn't have a clear pecking order because at the moment we know Isabit is consistent but for the rest we really don't know because Van der Haar one day he's there one day he isn't Nieuwenhuis one day he is one day he isn't Ron Haar maybe yes maybe no Van Turenhout maybe it rains maybe it snows maybe the sun is out you don't know what's up with them and if I'm just thinking for the past years Sure, when Van der Poel and Van Aert come, the pecking order is clear, but in the past years, we've had this pecking order, and before Van der Poel and Van Aert made the step, you knew you're going to see Albert up front with Nice, we're going to see Kevin Pauls up front, we're going to see Lars Boom there, Zdenek Stibar. It, it's, I, maybe correct me if you do know a time, but I think you need to go back quite far, like maybe around 2006, 2007-ish, where you had this situation where there was no clear pecking order. And even then, most of the time, at least from my recollection, the pecking order was clear. It's nice against the rest. Yeah. I, I think especially on on the men's side, it's uh, it's it's difficult to, to understand what is going on. I mean, 
we were going to get to to complete top ten, but it was we have seen so far that the riders are not really consistent in a way. You know, Ezerbeet has been has been very consistent. We have to say that, and I think that. Uh, the most consistent, definitely this season so far, is 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 Izerbeet. So yeah, I mean it 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 is in a way exciting, but it's also a bit confusing and <laughs> it's uh, very hard to make sense out of it. And I think that um, if I look into what we had beforehand, I don't re I can't really recollect a situation where we had this. You know, I I think if you go just before, you know. The moment Mathieu van der Poel and Wout van Aert kind of entered cyclocross as youngsters, you know, that was a time where you kind of had this in a way, but not not to this level, to be honest. And um, I, I don't know what the issue really is. Is it really the, the riders not being that consistent, which partly is true. I mean, if you look at a Van Turenat, if you look at a Swake, those are riders that normally... You know, had a more consistent season, but the circumstances there as well, Van Turnout being sick beginning of the season, uh, Sveik having that injury, calf injury, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, there, there are circumstances at the moment, and I think the field has been getting closer and closer. So if something goes wrong for you this season and you get a setback, it's not that you then, okay, well, I was winning, but now I'm gonna be fourth or fifth. No, I, you have to really get a, you're really gonna be having a setback and you really have to, Get your way through the field again, and I think that that is maybe what's up, and it's good. It is getting closer, and there is not really a, a standard. It's not that we go into a race weekend, you know, we can expect Izerbeet to be on the podium. <laughs> that is a very safe bet. But apart from that, with the circumstances, you don't really know what's going on. And I think it's exciting, and it's great to see that we have this open kind of field at the moment for 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 podium places and top fives and even top tens. Yeah, I think you made a good point with that 14-15 season when you had Van der Haar, Walsleben against Van Aert and Van der Poel. Nice was there, Powell's Van Tornhout. But it feels a bit more extreme now. And of course, all those factors you mentioned come into account here. I mean, Van Tornhout uh, has been sick. Zweig had that injury. don't want to necessarily repeat everything, but... It's exciting and you could see today, well, those inconsistencies were there. I know we've talked about this before, so I'll just say on our behalf, whatever we thought was going on. We had a couple of riders who completely disappeared. We had Van Turenhout and Van der Haar who both withdrew from the race. Nice finish, but ended something like 21st or something, seven minutes down from Kesselhaus at the front, withdrew. The leading theory here is just for most guys and on this course if you over push yourself you're gonna start making more and more mistakes it's pretty speed limited and every time you make a big push you start making mistakes we saw nice made a mistake in the first lap by trying to ride that mogul section then fell back van der haar crashed and then also tried to come back but in their efforts and the same went for van turen who crashed in the first lap in their efforts to come forward they made more and more mistakes and then at some point they were, uh, well, whatever, it doesn't really matter. I mean, Van der Haar already in the pre-race interview said, well, I just don't want to break my collarbone here. I'm not going to take too much risk. At some point, he dislocated his shoulder, popped it back in. I mean, Van der Haar has a history of that, but it's still pretty pretty crazy. Then pulled or withdrew from the race, makes sense. Van Turenhout made a ton of mistakes. Nice made a ton of mistakes. It just 
too difficult and well nice was a bit further up in the results before he didn't have a bike ready in the final lap which was kind of interesting because it happened to his dad Sven around 2010 on this course as well so pretty funny to see history repeat itself but lots of mistakes and it really comes down to two words that we've discussed two dutch words of the week is some um, lost because the pressure to make mistakes was higher you push and you just start slipping away in the mud but especially misery because boy was this course a lot of misery today yeah it, there was a lot of misery and it was i think that the broadcast did only t- tell like 30 percent of the story of what the riders had to go through it, it's uh, it was so it was tough for the riders and there was a lot of uh unfortunate things happening to to the riders punctures as well that that have gone unnoticed and I, I don't I don't really want to touch that point because I know that then we have <laughs> a lengthy discussion on that as well on the course. But I, I think that, just to be very short on it, I think that there was just... There were some unnecessary sections in the course that I think that... I wouldn't say had nothing to do with cyclocross, but unnecessary. I think that's just the word. I, I, that's, that's just my opinion on it. But I think there was just some unnecessary dangerous sections that... Or, or sections that didn't make sense, like the moguls. Uh, that that just have no additional value to the, yeah to they, the definitely yeah that's that's definitely the word I was searching for the, there is no additional value it doesn't really help the course it doesn't really help the riders yeah like especially this off camber you know with the steep run up I mean there were a couple of extra ones added and then especially like this part where there was this twenty thirty centimeter flat line at the top and then a super steep off camber below it doesn't really change much and it's it's super difficult to actually establish a gap on this course so i get what you're saying i i definitely like the the old course a lot more super wide interesting lines bankings and you must think the same yeah totally agree with it and yeah i mean in the end we should just be happy that uh for what i know there are no major injuries from from any of the riders so i guess i guess I hope that is true, but that is at least uh, the good thing that we held out of this uh, this course, I guess. Well, we can only hope because I don't know why Van Kessel withdrew from the race. I don't know why Visura and why Verstringen needed to withdraw from the race. These were all riders that were at the front at some point. So we can only hope they were fine and the most misery was caused by these puddles of standing water. Van der Haar said it in his pre-race interview. You just have no clue what's underneath and you get stuck and especially on the woman's side we saw that quite a couple of riders were just absorbed by the by the mud in that section and then the other sections i mean you can question as you say it's not that it has nothing to do with cross it's just doesn't make for the greatest cross race but let's look at the entire top 10 because there are still pretty much one name that i still want to point out Elisabeth took the win ahead of Joris Nieuwhuis and Philippe Orts. Zweig managed to take fourth, but was actually under pressure by Tom van der Bos, who rode a very strong second part of the race. Then we had van der Putten, Niels van der Putten in sixth, ahead of Cameron Mason. Maybe a tad disappointing after that second place last week, but we can't expect that level of consistency from him just yet. Eighth place was for Wietse ahead of Gerben Kuipers and Kevin Kuhn. I would very briefly like to touch on Don van der Bos because he put in a very strong ride. I just said that I th- think Nice van der Haar and Van Turenhout overpushed. Don van der Bos showed the way to 
move forward after not being great away at the start. He took his time and just kept pushing his own pace and on a course like this where tiredness builds, he was able to keep doing his own thing, running faster than the rest, riding his own lines and eventually almost clinched that fourth place but fifth is still a very good result for Tom van der Bos and he is a rider that needs to excel on courses like this. Let's go on to the women's race then. Anybody who had some hopes for close racing in the absence of Fem van Empel unfortunately was disappointed today because after Mary Schreiber had the fastest start it was Alvarado who took over and already in the first lap she got away as Vorst who was in her wheel made a front flip into the mud. Alvarado built a lead of almost one and a half minutes at some point, took it easy in the final lap and, by, and won by over a minute. The second place looked to be in the hands of Vorst for pretty much the entire race, but in the final lap, the tiredness started to build for Vorst, and in the span of 10 seconds, she crashed twice. She was caught by two riders that were Manon Bakker and Annick van Alphen. Just as they went into the final lap, van Alphen actually took the lead from Bakker. Van Alphen passed Vorst, and also managed to stay ahead of Vorst after those crashes I just mentioned. Van Alphen ended second, ahead of Vorst. Bakker just missed the podium in fourth. A win for Alvarado, it was a strong display. It was actually a really, really strong display. She was so much better than the rest, just in every aspect. Technically, running, everything. It was looking proper good. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, the thing that we kind of were afraid of, that in the absence of Van Empel, it, we were going to be looking at, at Alvarado, was, uh, you know, came <laughs> became reality. And uh, we had, you know, we've we got to be honest, it, it was a course that suits her probably the best out of the field with the running, with just just how tricky the course is in general. I, I think that she can just utilize so much of, of the attributes compared to the to the other women in the field that it's just, yeah, the race will come to her anyways. You know, from the start, knew exactly what she had to do. Schreiber was, was having that fastest start, but that didn't really matter. And uh, from there, it was just, um, I wouldn't say a cruise because she, she always had to be on her toes and it was a difficult course, but, you know, maintained it very well and was able to just build on that gap and make sure that she, she brought that uh, the race home. So, yeah, very, very good job from Alvarado and uh, it looked very good as well. So it was, uh, yeah, deserved victory from her side. Well, it's interesting that you think this was a good course for her because definitely until... Vorst started suffering with that knee injury, I would have said this is the best course for Vorst. Vorst is normally, or at least was until two seasons ago, a better runner. She, I would normally favor Vorst, but Vorst, as we know, has not really been the Vorst that we have seen until Ostend World Championships. She also missed five World Championships with that COVID infection, which hampered her. But yeah, it hasn't really been... The same, of course, after winning in Ostend, she still won the, the World Cup in Kokseide, had a couple of good results, but the past season and a half, it's been on the decline, and that continued today, because Alvarado winning by such a margin over a rider like Bakker and Van Alphen is expected, but Vorst, just again, like on the Koppenberg, these were races where two seasons ago I would have said, this is for Vorst. But now not anymore. Last year there was a bit of a battle between Vorst and Alvarado here. I would think 
that it's a bit disappointing for Worst the way things have been going, whereas Alvarado seems to have made that step back. She's had uh, blood disease, or I don't exactly remember what it was. Maybe it was Pfeiffer, but I don't exactly recall. But Alvarado had that one season when she really struggled with her health and has made that comeback from that. Worst has had, well, injury after injury, bad luck after bad luck, that knee injury, which has been lingering last season. It was especially a bit worrying to see that Worst also in the final lap and a half just completely collapsed. Like she had 20, 30 second lead over Van Alfa and that just plummeted mistake after mistake because of the tiredness. I mean, Van Alfa did a good race. She had a pretty bad getaway but got into it really nicely. But to be beaten by your teammate when you had such a lead and should normally be your team leader is, again, not a good sign for Worst. And it's not really to bash her because she said that her season prep has been hampered by that lingering knee injury which is solved now but nevertheless it's just again not a hopeful sign and it can't be easy times for worst absolutely but i think you know um i don't know what race it was it was but but it was this season uh for sure maybe it was Koppenberg, but i'm not sure but we there was a an interview during the race with with camille van der berg uh the the coach for the cyclocross reds uh on the women's side and you know, he was talking about some some back issues as well. So, and and that she struggles a little bit with the faster courses, and uh, or it was the other way around that it was the faster courses that she suits a little bit better now, and that the, the what kind of harder races are a bit more difficult because of of the labor on the back. But it's, I I also have the feeling that when uh, the results are not really there, you. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of things that you then start to feel in a way as well. Eh? I mean, it's uh, I I had it when when I was was running uh, quite well regional. I mean, if I had a race that I won the next day, I mean, the recovery was going very smooth. I had no issues. I could <laughs> I could train again, and I was up there. And when you had a race that was kind of disappointing in a way, it's it's a totally different different recovery day that you have after it because you then just it's it's just a negative spiral that you end up in and i think that probably i don't know how you can relate to that but i think a lot of athletes can relate to the difference between having a good result or a bad result and the recovery from that and i don't know i think like you said she was a big prospect and still is to be honest because i don't think it's 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 too late yet to still make some improvements, but you know time is ticking, and uh, the 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 step that Alfarado was able to make, she wasn't able to make, and, and you know that Van Alfa now is also coming up. I don't think that is necessarily a great thing for her uh, and for the confidence, uh, you know. So it, it's 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 tricky, it's difficult, and I hope that she can find the solutions for for the issues that she has and. Uh, bounce back from it because you know if you the danger in this is that when you end up in such a negative spiral for one two three seasons well it's gonna be a hell of tougher to to get out of it so well those are all very good points and definitely that negative spiral is something you want to avoid which is just why i hope there's somebody taking good care of her and then i don't mean her partner vincent bassans i don't mean her family i just hope there is professional support because what i feel is lacking in the world of cyclocross most of the time is somebody who takes care of the riders because if you see that alvarado is 
when she was sick and they only tested her blood values after the season and only then came to the conclusion like hey you've been sick the entire season of course things don't go as well as you want there's a lot of stories about riders who struggle mentally and then don't necessarily feel the support i just hope there's somebody that takes care of horse because of all the factors you mentioned and it's definitely not all lost for and you can come back and that's proven by Alvarado who's done it I mean she's improving and improving again and it will need to be seen if she can ever reach the level of Van Empel and Pietersen I think it will be difficult but nevertheless it, it's not all lost for Anna-Marie Worst and I would hope to see her get a good result again because it's been quite a while since she won a super super important race I mean yes she won well, when when is actually the last classified cross she won? I think we might need to go all the way back to to that winning Coxida, because she's won Maldegem and Osmalle two years in a row, I think, and she won Ardoya this season, and she won those USCX races. But really, in the big Belgian crosses, it's not been that great. But somebody who was pretty good today was Sonnekant and let's run through the top 10 actually. Alvarado took the win ahead of Van Alphen, Vorst, Bakker and Kant. Sixth place was for Riberol ahead of Schreiber, Betsema, Baroni and Frank. Good to see Bakker get a good result fourth place. It's a course that suits her but deserved that she gets a good result after well two weekends of bad luck. Europeans didn't go great. No good luck in Rudevoorde and Maasmechelen either. And it seems to be that that Krenan Corendon team is in a pretty good place because Sonnekant had a very, very good day today, fifth place. It's been a while since I saw Sonnekant like this. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I think that it was when the, the when she was participating in the first couple of races, I was like, oof, this is going to be a tough season for her. It, it didn't look good. I mean, Mas Mechle definitely was a race where I was like, okay, this is going to be a very tough season for her, but from there on it just went all upwards I guess I mean when you're at your lowest then from there you can only go up and I think that that is exactly what, what kind of happened in a way I mean the Europeans were definitely not bad as a result and I think that you know Koppenberg was a bit harder to place and wasn't all that great to be honest but you know the Euros were quite good and I think now with this race she was even a bit disappointed with fifth because she felt that she that, that that there was some chance for her to get uh, to get on the podium. I think you know there was one or two punctures, or uh, there was some unfortunate things that happened to her during the race. Uh, you know, which which is uh, you know the sport of cyclocross always happens in a way. But um, yeah, after the race, instead of being being happy with the result, it was a a tad of disappointment even. Uh, for not making on the podium, feeling that it was maybe possible today. But so I think that is is a total change from how she started this season, and it is good to see. I think, and I don't know why that is. That you know that this race went very well for her. We have to see how that will uh, go on and over the course of of the next couple of races this season, because you know consistency also for her has been an issue um, also last year. So we have to see how that goes. But, you know, this race was definitely very promising. And it's great to see someone that, uh, you know, meant so much to the sport and is in the later years of her career uh, being able to, you know, still 
be in healthy condition and being able to race and compete uh, on a very respectable level. And I think that is just great to see. And it's great to see that Kant uh, was able to snatch that, that, that fifth spot uh, deservingly, you know. So that's that was good to see. The leading theory Kant has is that she's going in the season a bit of a different approach to usual since she's quite focused on the road right now. But yeah, it, it was good to see. I saw a pretty good Rochette for the first part of the race. She faded. I don't really know what happened because I think she could do better than 12th. Van der Heide was somebody who prior to the race was talking about despite the course being able to challenge for a podium or a win in the absence of Van Empel. And the 13th wasn't her day either. And I would like to end with a remark on poor Marie Schreiber. I mean, we can talk about her tactic to start fast and then fading, but that's flip in the last lap. Holy smokes. I think they're going to be. She needs to be cleaning herself until tomorrow morning to be clean at the start and Dendermonde to get all filthy again because, oh, that was a lot of mud around her. And there are people who pay big, big money to get skincare treatment like this, but she just got it for free in the final lap of the Super Prestige in Neil. Then to end the episode, let's look at some results in the rest of Europe. We had the third round of the Coupe de France take place in Albi. Rémi Lelandais took the men elite win ahead of Joshua Dubot and Tony Perrioux. The women's race was won by Amandie Vidon ahead of Amandie Fouconet and Laurine Durafou. There was racing in Rimarov for the Toy 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 Cup. Marek Konwa took the win ahead of Jakob Riemann and Matthias Fiala. The women's elite race was won by Joyce van der Beke ahead of Katarina Duderova and Nikola Noskova. Noskova is making a return to cross with the focus on the uh, World Championships in Tabor. She is a former podium sitter at the U23 European Championships, got a top 10 at the U23 Worlds in BLS. So always nice to see riders return to cross. Then the fourth round of the National Trophy Series took place in Pinkston. The UK, that is, Thomas Mean took the win ahead of Daniel Barnes and Toby Barnes. The women elite race was won by Helena Day ahead of Ruby James and Hope Inglis. There was racing in Spain where Gonzalez Higuain Macho took the win ahead of Mario San Milan and Javier Gisbert. Lucia Gonzalez Blanco took the win ahead of Sodria Rodriguez Rever and Irena, no, Irene Bragado. Finally, the Norwegian National Championships took place. Mats Tubas Glende took the title on the men's side. Me, Björndal Otterstad won the women's title. Isam, thank you for being here. We will be back tomorrow with a podcast about Dendermonde. Yes, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, let's see what uh, the World Cup in Dendermonde will uh, will bring us. And uh, you know, all the discussions that we had beforehand. <laughs> now we can finally focus on the racing in Dendermonde itself. Yeah, it uh, will be interesting. I just realized that I messed up the placements. Rochette was 13th and it was Van der Heide who was 12th. And with that, let's hope, end on the note, that we hope that Denise Betsma has a better start than today because her start was horrible. And from there, she recovered to 8th place, but she never really recovered from that bad start. So, new chances tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening and goodbye.